Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are so glad you're with us. We're a Bible-based church from Ontario, Canada, and together we're on a mission to reach people far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Him. Happy Mother's Day. Today's podcast is a really good woman. Yeah, that's right. And she's awesome. So without any further ado, please welcome our friend, Mrs. Caroline Cook. What a great day. Got up at 6 a.m., did my 10-kilometer run. Got home and the hubby had made breakfast. Amazing. Finished my project for work. Then the boss gave me a promotion. Prepared a five-course meal for the family tonight for dinner. We all sat around the table discussing how much we loved each other. Hashtag blessed. Sewed two costumes for the kids' school play tomorrow, then managed to bake 200 muffins for the local homeless shelter. Taught the dog to do his business on the toilet. He can even flush after. Thank you, Jesus. Read three books of the Old Testament tonight. I just adore prophetic literature, don't you? I think I might write a book myself about all the wonderful things God has shown me through this reading journey. Filled the kids' bento boxes with organic kale, carrots, lentil crackers, and added a delightful almond milk drink. Spent two hours organizing the church's ladies' meeting for this Sunday. Off to bed, big day tomorrow, fasting and praying for the end of world hunger. Follow me at hashtag, I only wish I could do more. I don't know about you, but... What you saw in that video right there before isn't normally what I look like or what I act like. Sometimes I think it's noon before I get a chance to brush my teeth or brush my hair and I find that Cheeto in my hair that Cooper threw at me the night before and I go out places with my shirt buttoned in the wrong spot with my collar turned up and my hair a mess because I'm not what was shown in that video. People often present to the world a different view of what they really are. This affects men, women, grandparents, kids, teenagers. But as mothers, I feel like we have an extra pressure put on ourselves to show that we're something that maybe we're not. Social media has really, really made this multiplied in our lives because we're constantly looking at what others' perfect lives are. I found a study, and did you know that 90% of women say that they will not take a picture and post it on social media unless they've used a filter? And that's consistently, not just once in a while, 90% of women wouldn't ever post a picture of themselves without a filter. That's staggering to me. We're in a day where we have bloggers and vloggers and TikTokers and Instagram posts And what's the message shouting? It's saying, this is the mom that you need to be to be perfect. Sarah Coyne from Brigham University did a study and surveyed 721 mothers. She reported that mothers who more frequently compared themselves to others on social media sites felt more depressed, more overloaded, and in their parental role felt incompetent. Right from birth, we're presented with this fact of what the perfect mother should be. I don't know if you were brought up this way, but I was brought up with Winnie the Pooh. Who's a fan of Winnie the Pooh? That's right. So who is the mother in Winnie the Pooh? It's Kanga. So there's Kanga's the mother and she has the child, Rue. 
Now, what do we see about Kanga? She's kind-hearted. She's patient. She's calm, docile. She keeps things clean and organized. She offers motherly advice and food to everybody who comes along. And she only has kind words of discipline for Brew. And he always listens and obeys. Well, not everybody grows up with that kind of mother in their life. And not everybody can be that kind of mother. Back to social media. We all have that mom on social media that we love to hate. Maybe it's Kanga for you now. But it's the one that you can't stop watching. But every time you finish watching what they post, you feel bad about yourself. These are the people who bring out the errs in our lives. They're the ones that make you feel like you need to be prettier. Maybe you need to be thinner, faster, stronger, smarter, or even godlier. These all things of comparison. But you have to remember, I'm going to use some fruit for this, that we're not comparing apples to apples. We're comparing apples to bruised bananas. Did you know that when you buy an apple in a grocery store, it is covered in wax. It's smooth and shiny and pleasing to the eye. So somebody goes into the orchard, they pick the apple off the tree, and then it's taken and sprayed with this commercial coating that's formulated to impress the buyer. What you're seeing on social media is much like this apple. The picture is taken at the most opportune time and enhancements are made to make it look beautiful and perfect. But now a banana, it isn't coated with wax, it doesn't shine, and it's very easily bruised. The person you're comparing yourself to isn't showing you the full picture. They're never showing the bruised banana in their life. When I first became a mother, I didn't realize what it would be really like. I thought I'd have this cute little cuddly baby and um, it would sleep and I'd snuggle with it. And it would grow up into this godly man of God and everything would be perfect. But I soon began to realize that parenting is a comparison game. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but here's some prime examples of comparison in parenting. Homeschool or public school? Organic foods? Processed foods? Designer clothes? Hand-me-downs? Do they play rep sports? Violin lessons? Maybe they do brownies. Maybe they stay at home and do crafts. Are you a stay-at-home mom or a working mom? Do you have a Pinterest home? Or do you have my home, which definitely isn't a Pinterest home. The list goes on and on. I began to compare myself to all my friends and those that I saw on social media. Was I being the mother that God called me to be? Now, if you don't know this about me, I actually work in a financial institution. And I have for a few years now. I recently transitioned uh, my position. I used to be a teller in a branch, but now um, I work at the head office in my financial institution. And my official title is risk and regulatory compliance associate. I can't even say it without stumbling. But basically, in summary, my department deals with fraud. I've only been there about four months, but I've seen some crazy things already. And it's really sad when you see fraud happen and it ruined people's lives. My job with my team is to monitor alerts and suspicious activities to protect members and staff. So if you come into a bank, how does the bank identify you? 
you walk in, you might have a card that they've given you with a certain number. Uh, the most common, I would say, is photo ID. So you come in with your driver's license that's issued by the government, and it's proof that you are who you are. The bank teller might ask you questions that only you would know. And then there might also be someone in the bank who could verify your identity because they've known you for years. They might also ask you about your address, your date of birth, your name. Who are you? Uh, there's a government agency in Canada. I believe every country uh, has one. But it is a regulatory agency that every FI has to report to. FI being financial institution. This regulatory um, assists with detecting and preventing fraud. When you work at a branch, uh, sometimes you have people come in and you have to ask them questions. And you have to do all this paperwork. And my department is the department that nitpicks all the work everybody else does. So maybe you forgot a signature on a certain form somebody was filling out. Or maybe you went to go process something and we say, wait, why are you doing that for this person? So, and if you come into a branch, sometimes we'll ask you questions if you're trying to do a large transaction. Why are you doing this? Who's it for? Where did the money coming from? So when you're in my department, it kind of comes off sometimes that you're the mean guy because you're the one nitpicking everything. But in the end, the reason that I have my job is to protect the people coming into the bank and to protect my coworkers. Likewise, the Bible can sometimes feel this way. It can feel like a government regulator. We can feel like it is a book of rules that we just have to obey. But in reality, God meant it to be a tool to guide and protect us. God wants to establish a relationship with us, and he wants us to find our identity in him. Now, Pastor Nathan's actually the one who came up with the title of this sermon, which is Identity Theft. And sometimes in my job, through following these certain guidelines set out by the regulatory agency, we'll identify that somebody's identity has been stolen. So there's usually some red flags that pop out when this has happened. Often some suspicious activity is happening um, that's out of the normal for the person. Does the person actually look like the person they're saying they are? Are they not providing the full picture of what they're doing and why they're doing it? And the biggest question we ask is why? We're always asking why. Why does it seem suspicious? Why is that this transaction happening? Why does it seem out of character for the person? Why is this person letting somebody else influence them to be a different person? And why does this person not seem to be the person they're saying they are? As followers of Christ, the person who wants to steal our identity the most is Satan. Satan had a God-given identity, but he chose not to follow it. And he wanted to go his own way. And his goal is to wreck the relationship that we have between God by stealing our God-given identity. He tempts us to do the same that he did. God created you with an identity. And as Christians, you should base your identity on two things, who God is and who he says you are. Now, I don't know about you, but on Mother's Day, I'll go to church and what is the most common scripture that is preached on? That's right, it's Proverbs 31. And I can't even count the amount of times 
that I've sat there in church and I've listened to the sermon. I thought, well, that's really nice, but nope, that's not me. I am not that Proverbs 31 woman and I will never get there. So what, guess what scripture I choose to speak on today? Yep. Proverbs 31. <laughs> I picked the exact same one. Even though it seems unattainable, in the last couple of years, I've come to a different conclusion. Proverbs 31 is not about being the perfect woman. It's about living with purpose, diligence, forgiveness, and repentance. So the scripture itself isn't talking about being perfect. It's talking about being a woman of valor. Now, let's define valor. Valor means great courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. Now, when I think of the word valor, I often think of a man, a big, strong dude. You know, maybe he's got tattoos and all these muscles and maybe he's in the army and he's got a gun slung over his back. Or maybe it's an older picture where he's standing there with a sword and he's, he's not afraid of anything. But we too have valor. We are women of valor and we're fighting a spiritual battle one in which Satan is trying to steal our identity. Now, remember, it's a woman's faith that makes her a Proverbs 31 woman, not a list to check off. She's a woman on a mission. She's ready and willing to face each task, and she knows that God's on her side. Now, when I look at the Proverbs at Proverbs 31, I find it's kind of long and there, it's just like overwhelming because there's so many things. So I thought it'd be a little easier today if I broke it down into chunks and we could go over those things. So I have it into 10 basic things that we're called to be as a woman of God. So let's take a look at that now. So the first one is faith. As a Proverbs 31 woman, we're called to have faith. And what's faith? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of things we do not see. A Proverbs 31 woman has faith in Jesus. She trusts God with all her heart, all her soul, and all her mind. She seeks his will for her life and follows his ways. And we can see in the scripture it says, She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So what does this mean for us today? To summarize it, follow God. Have faith in him. Don't just believe he exists, but pursue him. It doesn't mean that when you're walking into church, if you're a Proverbs 31 woman, you're like, look, I'm going to church. Post like that. So everybody could see that you went. It's not about going to church and showing everybody. It's about being the church. It doesn't mean having faith in your rights as an independent woman or freedom of speech. It's really about getting down on the carpet with your kids with an old tattered Bible and talking to them about God and reading those stories. What about the part where it talks about fearing the Lord? In Psalms, we can see that fearing the Lord means to stand in awe of the living God. And when I think of awe of God, I think that equals praise. If I stand in awe of God, then I'm going to turn and I'm going to praise him and my family's going to see that. Fill your house with praise. The second point I'm going to talk about is marriage. She is a faithful wife. I don't know how much more simpler than I can get. I hope that's self-explanatory. Be faithful to your husband. She respects her husband. Whoa, that's a little too much. 
I have to respect my husband? That's a hard one. What does today's culture portray? Husbands are portrayed as lazy and dumb. We see it all the time. It's in TV shows. It's on TikTok. It's everywhere we go. It's at work, around the water cooler. You know, my husband did last night. He's so dumb. Respect of husbands and fathers is not given. It's not the norm. But it's the opposite of what God laid, laid out for us. God, God calls us to lift up and respect our husbands. She does him good all her days. She is trustworthy and a helpmate. It's a team sport. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Third point, mothering. She is a loving mother and her children call her blessed. Now this one is definitely one I've sat in a chair and laughed. I don't know about you, but blessed is not the word that usually comes out of my children's mouth. I could probably list a couple things my children have called me in the last month or two, but it probably wouldn't be appropriate at church. So I'll just keep that to myself. Here's the thing. As a parent, we are called to live out the example of a godly life for our children. That's all we can do. We can lead them. We can pray for them. And someday, maybe those mean teenage remarks will turn around into words of blessing. When I was a kid, I didn't walk up to my mother and say, Hail, mother, thou hast raised me in the ways of righteousness, and I call thee blessed. I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, that was embarrassing to even say anything positive to my parents. I would just hide it. But how did I show that I loved them? I did a chore. I made a Mother's Day card. I gave her a hug. And every once in a while, when I'd be having a conversation about my mother and nobody else was listening, I'd say something nice. And guess what? Sometimes those words got back to her. For some reason, it just seems embarrassing to say it to your mother or your father or whoever it is. But just get those words out there. Kids, teenagers, I'm talking to you now. Mothers need to hear that you love them and that they're blessed. And like I said, it's hard to do. But sometimes one kind word, nice deed, do the dishes when you don't have to do the dishes. Make that birthday card. Give a random hug for absolutely no reason. You know, give them a call just to say hi during the day. Talk about your day. When you're sitting at the dinner table, put down your phone and have a conversation. These are the things that we as mothers really treasure. Please do them. Number four, health. She takes care of her own health and that of her family's. She prepares healthy food for her family. What does that look like? What does that look like today? She provides for them. She does the best with what she has. And you know what? Sometimes the best with what she has isn't a five-course dinner. It's craft dinner on paper plates on the living room floor. And does it really matter? No, because she provided for her family the best way she could. Her, heart, her arms are strong for her tasks. Does this mean we all have to run out and get a gym membership? I hope not because I really don't want to do that. But you know what? God is calling us to look after ourselves, look after our bodies, because if we don't do that, we can't care for our families the way God asked us to.
So make a plan, one step, one thing you can do for your own health and for the health of your family. Number five, service. She serves others with kindness. Does that mean you have to go out and volunteer at the homeless shelter, the food bank, the local library, the kids' school, everything? No, it doesn't mean you have to do anything, but God or everything, but it does mean that God called you to serve in some way or another. Pick one thing and do it well and do it with a smile on your face like you're doing it for God. And you know what? You don't have to tell the whole world that you're doing it. You don't have to go to the homeless shelter and take the selfie and show everybody you're doing it. Sometimes it's more rewarding just to do it for yourself and keep it to yourself. Six, stewardship. The conducting, supervising, or managing of something. She is a wise steward of the gifts God has given her. She spends money wisely. This is the one I need to work on. Todd gets really upset at me because I'm not really great at money, even though I work in a bank. But um, this is something we need to do. It means that, you know what, there might be that sale. And you really think, oh, wow, but it's on sale. But you just don't buy it that time because it's not the wise choice. You purchase items of quality that your family need, not just because they want it, because it's the newest fad. It's not about making millions stewardship. It's about taking care of what you have the best way you can. Number seven, this kind of goes along with it, but it's industry. A Proverbs 31 woman is willing to work with her hands. In 2018, a study conducted by Welch's found working mums clocked an average of 98 hours a week. That is about the same as working two and a half full-time jobs. That's right, mums. We've got our hands full. So how can we be industrious? Well, it's a small thing sometimes. Maybe you work outside of the home and you have a job and that's how you provide Maybe you make things to sell. Maybe it's about making wise choices with investments with your money. Maybe it's about using a computer and the skills you have on it. It could be being a homemaker and a stay-at-home mom. What does your specific family need in that time period? And then once you decide that, you need to set the appropriate amount of time out to do it and no more. God is not calling you to burn out to keep up with the fake mums on Instagram. Number eight, homemaking. She is a good manager of her home. I would say I am not a good homemaker by society standards or by Marilyn Rumming standards. I am horrible. My house is always a mess and try as I might I can never seem to catch up. But you know what? Are my kids clothed? Yes. Is there food on the table? Yep. Do I willingly welcome people into my home all the time? Anybody's welcome. Am I lazy? No, I don't think I am. And maybe because my house isn't perfect, I will criticize myself. But really when it comes down to it, I am doing my part by completing the tasks that are needed. Do your best, create a place that is welcoming, that you can invite people into, and provide the basic needs of your family.
Number nine, time. Who has time to do anything anymore? Now, you guys might all hate me for saying this, but I absolutely loved being in lockdown. Most people got so upset because they were locked in their house. I was so busy before lockdown that when lockdown came, I was like, thank you, God, for blessing me with this time with my family just to stop. It forced me to pull back and refocus. When I came out of lockdown, I decided I wasn't going to do things the exact same way that I'd done before. I couldn't manage to do things the way I had before. A Proverbs 31 woman uses her time wisely. She makes sure she gets what she needs to get done, done, and doesn't waste time on things that don't matter. She also takes time to refresh and renew because you can't be the mother that you're called to be if you're burnt out. As Jessica Blay and I always say, it's all about the balance. Now the last one is beauty. She is creative and embraces beauty. God created beautiful things. He created humans, a newborn baby, an ocean, a sunrise, a new flower in spring. Maybe it's a melody on the piano or something that an artist did with the brush on a canvas. God created beauty and he wants us to appreciate beautiful things. But notice that when we talk about a Proverbs 31 woman, the focus is a lot different than what we think it would be. It mentions a couple items in her house that she has, some clothing, some bedding that she has. But when it talks about beauty, it ends by talking about her being clothed in strength and in dignity. These are the beautiful things that can't be created by a filter. This is about the heart. No social media filter can create the work that a heart does with strength and dignity. So as I finish today, just a couple closing thoughts. Satan is trying to steal your identity. He wants you to think that you're not enough. He wants you to compare yourselves to those around you and think that you need to do more and that you will never, ever live up to being a Proverbs 31 woman. But God. Every time you start to compare yourself to the mothers that are portrayed to you or your friends around you, and every time you think you're not enough, remember that God says you are. On your seats today, or if we're online, I think we're going to send out a QR code and I have a little handout and I just want you to have it to remember that you are what God says you are. And on this little sheet, I'm not going to read it right now, put it somewhere where you will have it handy on those days where you're feeling down, where you're feeling like you need to be better, skinner, skinnier, thinner, smarter, and look at it and think, this is what God says I am. Don't let Satan steal your identity. I challenge you to surround yourself with people that will encourage you and lift you up, but also keep you accountable. People that don't make you feel bad about yourself, but encourage you. Turn off those TVs. Turn off the computer. Turn off the phone. Open your Bible. Look at the thing I've handed out. Those are the things to focus on in your life. Find mothers that have children that are older than yours. That you see 
a loving family that you look at that person and think, wow, they're a Proverbs 31 woman. I want to be like them. Ask them questions. Spend time with them. Learn what mistakes they've made. And then talk about the mistakes you've made. It's a learning process. It's one day at a time. And if you feel like you're failing, just stop and evaluate. Are you comparing yourself like apples and bananas? One day at a time, don't let your true identity be stolen from you. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for today and this day that we can celebrate mothers and mother figures in our lives. I pray today that you will remind us to find our identities in you rather than the world's filter. Please bring people into our lives that will encourage us and remind us to turn off those phones and computers. Thank you, God, that you did not call us to be perfect, but you called us to live a life with valor in your strength, not our own. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, that's it from us. Thank you so much for joining. Please stay connected with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Pathway Church PTBO. Hey, God is at work in this world, and we feel so blessed that we get to be a part of what he is doing. Have a great day wherever you're at, and we hope to see you soon.